Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 834 with David Scott Peters. We're talking about budgeting. If we don't change, then we will fail to make the money we deserve. We will work our ass off and you may have a successful restaurant, but you may become a prisoner to it and it may not make you money. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific, special, unique link. And that link is getmees.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want Mies, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need Mies in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content plus you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant you will reduce waste and execute with consistency me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need and that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions Tell Mies how many portions you want. Watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell Mies how much yield you want. Watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to get Mies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan. Get on it. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. 
Restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu. And I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. We're talking to David Scott Peters. David is a one, two, three, four, five time repeat guest. I think this makes six times on the show. So that gives you an idea of how much I trust this guy and how much I, I know he knows his stuff. Uh, before we get into what you can expect from today's episode, a quick reminder, this podcast does need your support. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can share this podcast with everybody, anybody you know. And uh, speaking of affiliate links, uh, David Scott Peters is one of my affiliates. So please stick around to the very end to find out how you can work with David and how that supports the show. Uh, Today, we're talking about budgeting, and it's no joke that budgeting is absolutely crucial to being a successful restaurant operator. Today, David is going to teach us how to build a budget the right way that gives you the tools to maximize profit by focusing on the most controllable number in any bar or restaurant. Uh, Specifically, we're going to be talking about what information you need to gather to make forecasting sales, where to find these key figures to lay out your roadmap to success, why you shouldn't fear the budgeting process and how simple it really is when you follow the step-by-step process that David's going to give us and why the statement that that which you measure improves is critical ingredient for your recipe to success. This is a really powerful workshop today and I really do recommend that you guys watch the video. So if you, if you have not head over to YouTube, search restaurant unstoppable and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, I don't know if you guys are aware, but I'm on site for a lot of these interviews and we have cameras. So there's a whole YouTube channel that you're missing out on. If you haven't subscribed, I would love for you to head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. And uh, if you head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 834, we'll embed the video right there for you. You can actually use that, that embedded video to jump over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. And thank you in advance if you do. I really do recommend you watch this one. It's a, it's a visual heavy workshop. All right, with no further ado, here it is, David Scott Peters. With excitement, allow me to welcome back on the show for the one, two, three, four, fifth, sixth time 
David Scott Peters, my man. David, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am feeling unstoppable, my friend. How could I not have an early morning conversation with you? I am so excited to have you here. Like I mentioned, this is the sixth time you've been on the show. We're kind of averaging every 100 episodes at this point. We reach back out to David. He's just such an incredible uh, speaker. He knows his stuff. He's been consulting how many years now? Uh, started in 2003, so we're approaching 19, just almost, over 19 years. Almost 20 years. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and David is one of those people that, um, you know, when I, when I first started this podcast, I remember seeing people like David out there, like, oh, man, like these are the people that I, I just couldn't wait to get on the show. And uh, they always really impressed me. And it's just kind of um, surreal to know that you're now a, a six-time repeat guest on the show, and we've just only continued to build upon our relationship. It's a uh, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun to call you a friend, man. I can't wait to dive into today's subject, budgeting. So why don't you set us up? Uh, but first, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? So I want you to realize as entrepreneurs, we're allowed to have bad days. They happen. You can cry. You can drink it away. You can eat it away. You can find whatever vices. But the key to being a leader for your business is you can have the one bad day. It's what you do the next day that yes. defines you. So we can't let it hang over for a month, a week, days, literally one bad day. The next day we take action, we make change. Yeah. You can't change the past. You can only control your future. And uh, that's a great way to get this thing started. So today we're talking about budgeting. Uh, in the past, we've had you talk about menu engineering. We've had you talk about uh, checklist 101. Uh, I think we're a due for a conversation on budgeting and why is budgeting so important? Well, let me just put it this way. How do you know what profitability looks like for you if you don't have a budget? What are we going to use? Industry averages? Like if we do that, then we're going to run a 34% food cost. Well, what if you're a steakhouse and you've got a high cash contribution, real high ring at the register, your labor cost is going to be really low. You could run a 40% food cost. Wouldn't recommend it, but you could. But what if I'm a pizza pasta place? I could run a 22% food cost. And that means my labor costs can be a little bit higher. Like where are your targets based on where you're located, your price points, your style of service, your quality of product, your core values, not some national average. And so you've got to create your plan for success. And when I go through, as we, we, we talk about this in, in depth, it's really about going from being a reactive management team to a proactive management yes. team. Oh, look what I did in the past. Oh, shit. Can we change that? No. What do we want to do in the future? What are we going to put in place? How are we going to get there? That's the power of a budget. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm happy you're bringing up industry standards as people kind of like, you know, they set out to hit those goals. And once they, they feel like once they have, they're like, sweet, check, done. You know, we, we're doing good. And I think that's one of the biggest issues with our, our industry is that we have these standards. And why settle for that? You know, like we, we, we could be doing so much better. There's so many different newer approaches, business models, things like that. But we, we kind of, and we have a, one of our repeat uh, viewers here, Bob Sloop, who always says it's the model we follow is built in 1905, right? Uh, and he yeah. keeps on saying that every time we have conversations. What are your thoughts as I'm sharing this? So, so the bottom line is each one of our restaurants are uniquely our restaurants. And we have different financial goals. We have different debt service. We have different, you name it. Now, don't get me wrong. You're, don't tell me my restaurant's different. We got people and product. There's, there's no difference. The envelope is different. But your debt service, your, what you want to provide, you know, 
So go from a quick serve pizza place to a fine dining steakhouse, very different atmospheres and different targets to shoot for. So if you're going to use these national averages, then you're going to be lucky if you make a nickel to eight cents on every dollar. That's what the National Restaurant Association says an average restaurant makes, a nickel to eight cents on every dollar. Why the hell would you want to risk your family's future, work your ass off for a nickel on every other every dollar it comes in? Yeah. And then Ohio State University, a couple, about a, a decade and a half ago, did a study said 62% of all restaurants fail in the first three years of business. Why would you want to do this mm-hmm. for that kind of risk with no reward? Now, I get it. We have a passion for the industry, for hospitality. We, we're persistent. We, we just have this bug that w- we want to be in this industry. But why not put that same effort in and make the money you deserve? My goal for you is, let's say you're an $850,000 a year or more restaurant higher in sales. Well, I'm shooting for a 15 to 20% profit margin without going against your core values, without giving shitty service, without cutting product quality or any of those things. That's how inefficient we are in the restaurant business. And mostly because we're following old rules. Mm -hmm. Well, the business has changed. We have so many more services and software and marketing and all these things that are chewing away from our margins. If we don't change, then we will fail to make the money we deserve. We will work our ass off and you may have a successful restaurant, but you may become a prisoner to it. And it may not make you money. Yeah. I think this is a perfect segue into your first bullet point, which is what it really takes to run a profitable restaurant. Well, what it takes to run a profitable restaurant, I'm going to share my screen. I'm going to skip ahead from a couple slides here that I had. Well, don't let me oh. get too far ahead of you, my friend. No, no, dude, the hell with my background. We don't need to know who I am. Let's if get right If you want to know here. who David Scott Peters is, the background. No, they don't want to know. I'm some guy who, you know, grew up in this family restaurant catering <laughs> business, worked for the toughest man, as you know. That's my mom. I have been a franchisor. I've been a multi-unit operator. But literally since 2003, my calling has been help independent restaurant owners literally put systems in place to what? Gain restaurant prosperity, freedom from your restaurant, and the financial freedom you deserve. And so I, that's the, in the nutshell. <laughs> and I will say this. If you want to learn more about David and his full story, head over to restaurantstoppable.com slash 141. That was the first time I got David on the show. We really kind of unpackaged who he was. Uh, we also had David on for 437. That was uh, menu engineering. And then uh, we actually had 639, which was uh, the seven steps to creating a great manager. And then uh, we had you on for checklist workshops that's seven six three so if you guys want to hit pause and get caught up and find out all the great stuff that david's dropped on us in the past i have no hard feelings but i think that was kind of a good segue into what we got going on now take it from there and just be aware those first three interviews the things we did those were my when i my old company and i sold it uh two years ago uh 2019 and so now uh there's a new company so just know that you're going to hear two different backgrounds of where i am but it's still me Anyway, get into it. So if we're going to be if we're going to be successful in the restaurant business, we have to understand we have a responsibility to run profitably. It's not a hope. I pray. I wish. Right. It's uh, hope is not a solution. Hope is good to have. Hope is is is, you know, a beacon somewhere to go for. But you need a plan for success to run profitably. And if you work with me on any level, whether it is literally just the hour we spend together now, it's listening to past episodes, or you ever become a member with me, you've got to understand from this point forward, you have to change your mindset that you have a responsibility to run profitable. Number one, you've got to run profitably for your guests, your customers. We fulfill a need in the community. People walk in your door because you have something they want. 
We have a responsibility to our employees. That's how they're gainfully employed. They feed their families. Now, granted, half of them drink their paychecks away. Whole nother story. But we have a responsibility to them. But here's where we screw it up as independent operators all the time. You have a responsibility to you, your family, and any investors you may have. And I'm here to say you come first, not last, my social working friends. And I call us social workers because in the hospitality business, we're built to take care of people, often leaving ourselves last. But here's the deal. If we don't take care of you first and you don't have a restaurant, there is no restaurant for the customers and there are no jobs for your employees. So when you start to understand you need to systemize your business, do things your way, and that you're supposed to make money, it's an enterprise. Things start to fall in place, and that's where budgeting becomes so important. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense, and I can't help but think of, uh, i got to quote a friend uh, that's another repeat guest. Rudy Mix says, it, is, it should be a core value for you to be fiscally responsible. It should be a core value. I mean, and, and for all the reasons you just listed, is we are responsible for all these people, but most importantly, ourselves, and we need to be able to, to be profitable so we can take care of our, our insecurities, right? And we can't take care of others unless we can take care of ourselves. So I love this, where we're getting started. Keep going. Amen. Yeah. So now let's talk about budgeting versus a P&L. Now, most every restaurant should be getting a profit and loss statement, an income statement, operating statement. They're the same damn thing, just different name. How did I do? Versus we never have a budget, or I'm sorry, you had a budget once when you asked the bank for money. And then you looked at it a year later and went, holy shit, is that what I thought I'd do? That's not a budget. That's a prayer. A budget is a living, breathing document. It's your plan for success. But let's talk about the difference and how it changes us being a reactive management team to a proactive management team. If I grab my P&L and I, I grab it and I put it in my hand, what does this represent, Eric? The past, right? So I can't change the past, right? You just you just slip through, you go to the last page, you go, shit, that's what I made, that's what I lost, and we, we don't do anything about it. Or even if you try to, let's say your food cost is high, you got your P&L 15 days the next period if you're lucky, some of you 30, 60, 90 days later, and now you want chef to fix high food cost. Well, let's say it's 15 days later, you got your P&L. Well, chef has made the same dumbass mistake for 45 days in a row, and now you're bringing it to his or her attention? Like it's too freaking late. You've already blown half a period if you're looking at it a, a, a month, month cycle versus weekly. So all of a sudden, you've got to realize that I need a budget. And the budget, what it is, is let's look at it this way. I had for a, for a year, I decided to have a midlife crisis and I bought myself a Nissan uh, 380Z Nismo right? I'd get out of this thing at valets and people like you fit in that. I'm like, what are you calling me fat? But that's a whole nother story. So this little car was fast as hell. It was fun. It was like riding on, on, on Rocky sleds, but it was a blast. And let's say, Eric, I still had that car and I'm going to give you the keys. I'm going to say, Eric, here's the conditions. I want you to drive this car. You've got to drive this car, but here are the two conditions. Number one, I'm blacking out the front windshield. All you can use is your rear view mirror to go forward. And the next thing is, once you start this thing, you must put the pedal to the metal. You can't use your brake. What's going to happen to you, Eric? You're going to smash into something. Some bitch. If we (laughs) only keep looking backwards, we're going to crash. The budget is pulling the film off that windshield so we can go forward. We know where we're going. We have a plan. We have a route. We have a freaking Waze GPS telling us exactly where to go and what to avoid traffic bumps, which are mistakes in our business that cost us money. That's your budget. It is critical. And as we talked about a moment ago, don't give me this industry average bullshit. Your restaurant isn't supposed to run on that because here's the deal. Some of us have survived COVID. Some have thrived. 
But as we still have business restrictions and it's been difficult, now we've got the, the worst, the worst uh, part of the pandemic right now is the labor shortage. I think it's worse than, than the challenges of remaining open during COVID, COVID. And the fact of the matter is we've got all these challenges and maybe you dug a hole. You didn't pay rent. You didn't pay rent. You didn't pay rent. And now all of a sudden you've got to be more aggressive than somebody else because you need a plan to dig out of that hole to pay back rent that you can get back on path to success. Maybe you've been successful and you made the changes that were necessary to be successful. Well, now as sales are coming back and we hopefully are starting to find employees again and well, are you going to go back to your old dumbass habits that bled you dry? Or are we going to keep those efficiencies? And now we have new plans and new numbers to hit new systems in place. And that's why your budget is so critical and you can't use industry averages. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you haven't gone into what we need to start forecasting these sales numbers, have we? No, we're going to go into that because that's kind of here the new thing. There are seven basic steps to okay. putting together your budget. And I'm going to kind of walk through those in in a general sense, not in huge detail. Got it, got it. I will tell you that you guys stick around. Uh, when we're done, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you my budget builder MVP uh, spreadsheet and a video on how to use it in great detail. So right now, what I'm hoping is that I can give you that brushstroke to understand why you've got to, you've got to have a budget and those things you've got to gather, which one of those things is forecasted sales. So if you look here, we're at trade, we need our trailing 12 month sales. I'm going to go through each one of these things and show you exactly what I mean. Sales cost percentage by category, cost goods sold percentage by category, not food and liquor, food, bottle beer, draft beer, wine, liquor, NA Bev, merchandise, don't care what the order is, but everything split up. Labor, dollars for fixed, percentages for variable expenses by position, not front of house, back of house. Each position, whether you're full server, quick service. We got to know our fixed versus variable expenses. We're going to create a plan for success, and then we're going to measure our results. That which we measure improves. This is why many restaurants don't make the money they deserve. As you brought up that statement, we're running businesses based on the 1950s. Well, that business model ain't going to work today. Our margins have disappeared, meaning minimum wage has gone up. Food is at record costs. Like, again, all these software services and marketing and all these things that are robbing us of our our money. If you don't change, then there is no money left over. I can't say it better. Uh, So, I mean, all the suspense, David, let's get into it. (laughs) All right. Here we go, brother. You, you always love working with me, right? It's like, all right, do I really talk to David or do I just let him go? Well, dude, David, you've been, do, you just, I just let you go, man. You, you, <laughs> you know exactly what you're going to say. Professional speaker. You travel all over the country. I know, I know you have it. I think, I think when I stay out of your way, it comes out better, honestly. So just do your it's thing. It's all brother. good. It's all good. <laughs> so here's the deal. Number one, we're going to, if we're going to start our budget, I want you to grab your trailing 12 months sales. What were your sales, overall sales? Now, this is a very uh, not detailed chart of accounts, and I'm going to show you this is not the way I want it done. I'm going to give you my chart of accounts as well when we're done here. So here's the deal. But look at, we know what our sales were in October, 191,000, November, 179, December, 200, 167, and so on. What were the trailing 12 months? Because here's the deal. We don't wait to do a budget come December for January. We need a plan for the next 12 months. I don't give a rat's ass if you're listening to this in July or November. We're going to make the take the last 12 months to go forward to create a plan for the next 12 months. Second piece is we need our sales mix. Now, y'all have this point of sale, 
right? Your POS system tells you what your sales mix is. You probably have a DSR tracker spreadsheet like I've got for my members that you're typing in numbers and you know the percentage, what percentage of food sales to overall sales, liquor, bottle beer, draft beer, wine, and so on. You got QuickBooks or an accounting software like an R365. You've got this data. It's there. Why is that important? Because when we predict our sales, how much of that goes to the kitchen versus the bar, bottle beer, draft beer, wine, and so on. Third, cost of goods sold. Now, this one's a little tricky. You've got to literally look at your P&L and say, hey, if I'm not taking inventories, and I'll talk about this a little bit, you need to be. But let's say you're not. We need to look at our cost of goods sold for the year because that's your purchases divided by sales. That ain't your food costs. But in a year's time, it really is. The fluctuation in inventory is so small, we can use that. But if you know you changed your menu two months ago, I need your more recent food costs. If you are taking inventories and know your food costs, poor costs by category, I want your most recent poor costs. Otherwise, we're going to use it for the year. What is the as percentage of category food to food sales? Next, we're going to grab number four. We're going to look at our labor. Is it a fixed or variable expense? So what you're going to find here is I've got this year's P&L, but I created two more columns on the, on the right side, whether I took the total divided by 12 to come up with my fixed number or percentage use the total for the year divided by total sales for the year. And I get a percentage fixed or variable. So I've highlighted here, owner salary fixed, uh, administration fixed. Now I've got my shift leads because those are hourly in this restaurant. They don't have full-time managers. They were using hourly. They were in California. And so I've got percentage of sales. And so is it fixed or variable? And then go through each one of these line items. So again, we need them separated. Number five, Now we go down our operating expenses. Is it fixed or variable expense? Fixed or variable. So again, in the right side, you'll notice I created two columns, the total for the year divided by 12 or the total for the year divided into total sales. And all of a sudden, fixed variable, fixed variable. I highlighted them in yellow, which now sets me up when when I'm going to do my template for the next 12 months, fixed costs, variable costs dollars versus percentages. So you're really kind of setting yourself up to make your template go very, very quickly. Now, once you have all this data, we take our last 12 months and we create a plan and we, we create a template, if you will, for the next 12 months. Now, all you're going to do here is say, if we operate the next 12 months, the same way we operated the last 12 months, here's how much money we're going to make or lose. And I want you to look at that air like it's, it's a dead rat, pick it up by its tail and go, ew, that's not good. Whether you're making money or not, we want to make a change. We want you to have restaurant prosperity, which is freedom from your restaurant and the financial freedom you deserve. This plan helps you do both those things. Make sure you can afford the managers and how many do you need? What can you put in place? What systems you can put in place to change your bottom line, lowering labor, lowering costs of goods sold, controlling your your fixed and variable costs from, from advertising to janitorial. What is your plan for success that you can make the money you deserve without going against your core values? I want everybody to hear me. I'm never going to tell you to buy shitty food. I'm never going to tell you to cut labor so low that you can't service your guest. But we are going to stop wasting money. And that's really important. So, so what, once you have this question template, I have for you, David, before we go forward. Yeah, uh, and what if we don't have 12 months of operating data? What if we want to start off right budgeting, but we don't have that, that data behind us? If we're opening, all we've got to do is make a one month assumption on all these percentages. Okay. Like you could literally, I mean, I've got people who don't have QuickBooks. They, they still, 
I've worked with them. They come from, I've got everything in a freaking shoebox, and I give it to my accountant at the end of the year. And I pay them big dollars to actually construct the year's worth of P and L's. Hey, you know what your power bill is. You know what your rent is. Like you just go down the list and we start to make assumptions because here's the deal. Even if these numbers we use aren't good, it doesn't matter because we're going to ignore them. They're a guide to get us started because then we're going to change them to create your plan for success. So these are the numbers we, we can we use to develop our pro forma, for example. We can take those numbers and we can put those in place here if we're just getting started just to have something. Correct. Gotcha. We, in fact, you don't even have to be open. Right. You can make assumptions. Uh, what I call a swag, a scientific wild ass guess. I learned that a long time ago. I can't <laughs> tell you where I learned it from. But the bottom line is the science are some numbers and assumptions. Gotcha. But you got to make a guess. Isn't that what we do every every day when we think what tomorrow's sales are? There is no freaking crystal ball. But yeah. you've got enough experience, enough numbers, enough whatever that you put together. Hey, tomorrow should be a ten thousand dollar day. There's a little ready fire aim action going on here. Right. Well, well, actually, I like it the opposite way. It's fire, ready, set, aim. Like, just do it and then make it better. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I got you, man. Keep All going. Right. Thank you. No, my pleasure. Break in any time. And don't forget to stop me when it's time for you to do that. Yeah, but here's the deal. <laughs> the budget template is not your budget. It is showing you that if you operate the next 12 months the same way you operated the past 12 months, here's what we're going to make or lose. Now it's time to change. Now we go into step six and that's creating your plan. So you notice on this line item, I've I've put a a line around food costs and we started at a 38% food cost, which is not unusual for restaurants, especially if you don't take inventories, don't have recipe cards, you don't have a kitchen manager or you have a chef that doesn't, you know, I'm afraid of computers. I don't need recipe cards. I don't need whatever it may be. We don't need to run like a business. And without those controls, all of a sudden 38% food cost is not unusual when I see operators. Well, now you can imagine that goes all the way across the year because we created our template. Well, now we create our plan for success. In month one, we're going to train what I teach is called the restaurant checkbook guardian, where it allows us to give up ordering without giving up our check, our, our, our checkbook. That is a budgeting system that is literally takes five minutes a day to type in stuff into a spreadsheet. It tells your managers what they can spend in the next order to be in budget, which is clear and concise. And if they go over budget, they got to ask you for permission. They can't place the order. Again, giving you control of your checkbook instead of walking in and going, holy shit, why is there 3000 extra dollars food in the set, on the shelves? Well, because you ran in the back, said you 86, another GD item. I swear to goodness. Chef or kitchen manager goes, fine, I'll just order more. I'll never run out again. But now I don't know about this, Eric, is everybody understands in this network that profits don't pay your bills. Cash does. And if you buy so much food and product, booze and whatever, put it on the shelves. It's at risk to be stolen, wasted, spoiled, and you can't pay your bills. You can't go to the power company with a case of steaks and go thud. We're even, I need to manage not only my food cost percentage, but how much money I've sitting on my shelves. So running a restaurant becomes much bigger puzzle. Well, I'm also put in a key item tracker to prevent theft, count five to 15 items every single day, every single shift, they don't get stolen. I'm going to put in a waste tracker so I can track that every Thursday we're throwing away half a case of tomatoes and I can go, oh shit, let's stop ordering so many tomatoes on Monday so I'm not losing money with these dumbass mistakes. The server that double orders, retrain that person. The, the cook that needs to be retrained because they're burning steaks. Like I can identify my problem today and fix it today, not 15 days the next period. Proactive tools. Two clipboard systems and a spreadsheet. Well, in month one, in this scenario, 
I'm at 38% food costs. I've got to train my managers. I've got to train them what their job is, how to do it, how well it should be done, more importantly, by when. They've got to demonstrate they got it. I can't hold them accountable to that if they haven't demonstrated they can do it on their own without me over their shoulder. Not, I told you. Oh, my managers never do. Well, it's your fault. You didn't train them. You didn't ensure they understood. Well, month one is train. Month two is hold them accountable. And I promise people by putting those two clipboard systems in place and that spreadsheet solution that I'll drop your food costs two to three points guaranteed. Yeah. Food costs two to three points. And the biggest thing that gets me excited when, when looking at things like this is now you have a system. And when, for people, and I'll, I'll be the first person to admit this, I'm not somebody who loves systems. I'm a free spirit. I like to, like, you know, I just like to go, you know, but, but I know that if I'm going to scale anything in life, I need to slow down, put systems in place so I can hand them off to my team in the future and be that free spirited person. So I can have something to track a system, a process to, to offload it, to shed it. So I can have other people do this. This is the same thing for budgeting. You need a system. You, you need, even, even if it's not the kind of person you are, you need to create these so you can have the people who do love these things. You give them a process. What, what are you going to say, Dave? So, so without systems, yeah. like there's a system, a process, a way to doing anything and everything in your business. There's a reason why the chain restaurants kick our ass. Mm-hmm. There is one system, one process, one way. And when you can do that, it allows you to impose your will without being there. It gives you the freedom that things are getting done your way when and especially when you're not in your building. Yeah, it was you in my first episode that taught me the the secret to success in this industry is not being a people dependent operation, but being a system dependent operation and putting great people in it. And these are the systems you need. Keep going. Uh, We kind of we talked about I hate managing people. The pe- managing people sucks, but managing <laughs> systems and developing people, that's fun, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So now in month two, I can now hold them accountable. I gave them a month to learn those systems and I'm dropping my food costs. You'll notice from 38% to 35%. But now we may look at your menus. And I did this in, in, in when COVID hit in 2020. I cannot tell you how many restaurants were running in 36, 38% food costs. And we had to re-engineer their menus, which started with recipe costing cards. And that, that's 40, 60, 100 plus man hours of work, finding software, putting stuff in, documenting, going through this process, getting to a point where I do something called my menu profitability monitor analysis, which is an ideal food cost, and then menu engineer, change prices, reduce costs, change mix, add items, remove items, so on and so forth. And so we may in month one start those recipe costing cards. And go all the way through and say, by month one, two, three, four, we're going to have a new menu on the table and we're going to hit a 24% food cost. See, you decide where your numbers can be. Then you take actions to achieve those things, which is putting you in the driver's seat versus every month looking backwards. Oh, shit, did I make money or not? You can do it. And the truth of the matter is, for many of my members, when I work with them, when I go 24% food cost, 26% food cost, 22% food cost, they're like, that's not possible. Well, number one, if you're going to tell me it's not possible, it ain't possible in your restaurant. You win. You just said it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It can't be done. Well, then we're never working together because you've got to have a, a growth mindset that here's a challenge. There's nothing I can't learn. There's nothing I can't work. There's nothing I can't get done if I put my mind to it. That is more than possible without cutting 
corners and putting shitty product out, overcharging, giving shitty service. I'm telling you right now, it happens over and over and over again, but you got to have these other tools in place. Yeah. You have to have a system, a process, a way to get there. Yeah. And Make I, sense? I, I love that. And the other thing that comes to mind listening to you talk is you can't trust unless you can track. You you have to be able to track something to extend your trust. And you the, again, this comes down to you know what you've just been going over, the, the power of, of having this data and tracking it and you can't trust your people until you can track them. So um, uh, that covers the seven uh, steps to successfully implementing your budget correctly. Correct me if I'm wrong. Right. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to kind of go into the the numbers that go in behind it. So if this is a time this for a, you to make the break, yes. this would be a good place. This is to be. a great time to take a break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Yo, Unstoppables, I want to use this ad space to let you know about an affiliate relationship I have with the company Mies. Actually, Mies has been a past sponsor, but they've adopted this really great affiliate program, and I want to give it a shot. But here's the thing. I won't get credit for your referral unless you use my specific, special, unique link. And that link is getmees.com slash unstoppable. So if you listen to this ad and you want Mies, make sure you use that link. And instead of actually uh, recording a new ad, I really like the first one I did with them. So I'm just going to roll it and uh, let the ad work. It's magic. Here it is. Here are four reasons why you need Mies in your restaurant. One, it's the most accurate recipe costing tool on the planet. Never again waste time trying to find yields and converting unit measures or creating extra sub recipes just to account for yield updates because Mies has a database of thousands of ingredients and prep actions with yields and conversions built right into the interface. So you get immediate output of your costs and your conversions. That's huge. Number two, you will train your staff the right way and save countless hours your team sees in real time updates of all the recipe content plus you can send notifications and answer questions directly through me's quickly and easily create slideshows with video and image so you can show your team exactly what they need when they need it here's the third reason why you need me's in your restaurant you will reduce waste and execute with consistency me's enables you to make precisely the amount of food you need and that's because every ingredient has automated unit conversions Tell me how many portions you want. Watch your recipe scale automatically. Tell me how much yield you want. Watch it scale automatically. You can even enter the amount of ingredients you have on hand and then watch the recipe scale automatically. Here's the fourth and final reason why you need Mies in your restaurant. It organizes and shares your content like never before. Mies is like Google Drive specifically for the culinary operation. Here's your call to action. Go to get Mies. That's M-E-E-Z dot com slash unstoppable and make sure you mention restaurant unstoppable when signing up to get three free months when you get the annual business plan get on it we are back take it away david so now let's talk about the the different sections let's talk about where the numbers come from how we get there and one of these key numbers is prime cost the one number you must know to have any chance to make money in this business and you've in old timers like me it was controllable expenses in control of management how we hire fire train utilize our people purchase product utilize that product again old timers like me i've been 30 plus years in this business we called them controllable expenses somewhere 20 years ago it became prime cost all fancy well what is prime cost well prime cost is your total cost of goods sold plus labor including taxes benefits insurance now, again, I talked about 
your cost of goods sold can only be calculated with inventory, beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending gives us use, use divided by sales. But if you don't have that, we're going to look at a year's purchases. We can't do one month at a time because that inventory fluctuation can be too uh, volatile, if you will. Then when it comes to labor, that includes what I call raw labor cost, punching in, punching out. So if I pay $15 an hour, if a cook punches in one hour in and out, do you, does $15 come out of your bank account? No. comes out of your bank account because there's taxes, benefits, insurance. That's part of prime cost. Managers are part of prime cost. Salaried managers, part of prime cost. Owners, maybe. If you're a manager in your building, you're part of prime cost. If you have keys in your hand and running the operation, your salary or an adjusted salary is a part of prime cost. So let's say you pay yourself 70 grand, but in your business, maybe you're a a, a $800,000 pizza place, you'd pay 50 grand for for a manager. Well, 50,000 of your money goes in as a manager, 20 as corporate overhead. Why? Because we're going to fire you. We do this right. We're going to have a manager replace you, but I still need that money in my prime cost because someone has to do that job. If you work two days a week on the floor as a manager, then a two-fifths or an adjusted two-fifths of your salary belongs in that that prime cost number. Then we got to determine, is it off of gross or net sales? And I want to define this. Because most POS systems, what they call gross sales is net sales. So let me be very clear. Gross sales is the ring at the register before discounts, not including sales tax. Sales tax is not a sale. That's the pleasure of us collecting money for the government. And they penalize us like they're the freaking mob. If we don't give it to them fast enough, don't play with that money. So if I ring up a $10 burger and I comp $5, gross sales is $10. Net sales is the ring at the register after discounts, not including sales tax. Net sales is $5. What are we supposed to use? Well, in the old days, 30 plus years ago, everybody said net sales, but I'm here to tell you it's gross sales. The ring at the register before discounts, not including sales tax. Why? I asked chef to put out a $10 burger, use $3 in product, use divided by sales, 30% food cost. Is it chef fault that you decided to do a Groupon at a 78% discount? Oh, hell, let's just make it a buy one, get one free. And it goes from $10 to $5. What's my food cost now? Did I use half the product? No. So I go from a 30% food cost to a 60% food cost. Is that your chef's fault? Now, if you're comping shit because the food sucks and you're burning things and service is horrible, that's a whole nother story. But if we're just talking about promotions and discounts, how am I going to penalize or measure that chef did his or her job properly? I want to measure $10 supposed to come in the door, $3 supposed to be used. Let's say you're still not with me. David, I still don't buy that. Let's say, Eric, you've got a charity event. You've got a restaurant right now. I know it's one of your dreams to open your restaurant. you got a restaurant. Tomorrow, you're going to have your favorite charity. You're on the board of the Boys and Girls Club. and say they're going to come in, and you're going to have a $14,000 event. You're closing the restaurant. Your heart sings. You're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. But your heart is so big, you comp 50%. You have a $14,000 day. You're going to comp seven grand. Do you staff for a $14,000 day or a $7,000 day? $14,000 day. Do you buy food and booze for a $14,000 day or a $7,000 day? $14,000 day. Some bitch. I need to use gross sales. So like if you don't buy into this now, I'm telling you right now, it means a lot of you are tracking the wrong numbers. You're laying into your chef and kitchen managers and your, your front of house managers for high labor costs, high food costs, high poor costs, because you're using the wrong measurement. You got to be fair. We got to know where we're going. Now, don't get me wrong. Comps are an expense. And if you give away too much stuff, you're not making money. So now we're going to use gross sales to calculate our prime cost. Where should we be? In the old days, 
again, 20 years ago, the experts said 65% prime cost for a full-service restaurant, 60% for a quick-serve restaurant. Then things changed. As I was becoming a coach and putting seminars and workshops and systems in place, we had 9-11 happen. Worst day in modern American history, my lifetime. Why do I bring that up in a, in, in a, in a discussion? Because those of you were open the day before, the next day, our food prices tripled, right? You couldn't get, you were able to get a gallon of milk at the grocery store for a dollar a gallon on the 10th. On the 12th, it was $3. And from that point forward, we've seen nothing but our labor costs go up. We've seen nothing but our food costs go up. In fact, right now, when we're talking, we're in, uh, still in the pandemic and we've got shortages on food. Heck, if we get the delivery to show up, our costs are up. Chicken wings are up 300% since January. Brisket is up. I'm sorry. Chicken wings, 100%. Brisket, 300%. Uh, avocados up 200%. Like it's astronomical. And if we keep using these old numbers, we can't make it. Now, if you're a quick service restaurant, it was 60%. Now, if you do under $850,000 a year or more in sales, I will tell you that, you know, you're looking at 60, but here's the deal. I'm here to tell you, if you do more than $850,000 in gross sales annually, your new prime cost target is 55%, not 65. 55. That means if you're a million dollar business, Eric, million dollars gross sales, let's say we're just a, you know, a, a, a sandwich shop doing a million dollars in sales, and you've been patting yourself on the back. Oh my, look at me, I'm doing 65% prime cost. I'm telling you there's 10 points on the table. That's $100,000 in bottom line profitability on the same sales you're doing now. No get rich scheme, no marketing, no nothing, just freaking being more efficient. Now I'm gonna ask you a question, Eric, and you're gonna have to answer for the group out there. If I had a duffel bag with $100,000 in it right now, and I would say, Eric, this is your duffel bag. I'm gonna give you $100,000 right now but there's work to be done. In fact, some of that work is going to be difficult. You're going to have people push back. It's, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to, this $100,000 yours, but you got to be willing to do the work. What do you think people would say if I asked them that question? What would you answer for them? Yes, you're willing to do the work or no? Yes, they would say yes. I would imagine if you have $100,000 in a duffel bag, they're saying yes. And, and do you know what I would say? You're not going to do They it. lie, <laughs> right? They love the idea of work. Oh my God, I'm going to make this change. This is going to be awesome. Like how many of you are listening to this and gather information, go back, get all excited. I saw this guy, Dave Scott Peters. We're so excited. We're going to have budgets. We're going to do this, that, the other. And then no birds come at it everywhere. No, we're different. No, we tried that. No. And you're like, Oh, but I tried. You've got to be the leader your restaurant needs and say, this is the direction our company is going. I want you to be a part of it. I need you to be a part of it. Become a change agent. But if you choose not to play, I will happily allow you to promote yourself to customer, even if you have a long-term employee or especially if you're related to me. We are no longer going to let one, two, three employees hold our business back because it's too hard. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I have to take this opportunity to just plug the power of habit right here. And I think the, the answer to being able to actually take that, that duffel bag of a hundred thousand dollars and execute all centers around the power of habit. And if you guys have not read the book, uh, atomic habits yet, I'm saying like that book is the foundation to develop the discipline you need to execute these little systems every day. Uh, I won't say any more than that, but we do have a habits club that started in the network uh, where it's people just holding each other accountable to the the new habits we're trying to form. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I'm curious. 
Well, that's it's it's what I do in group coaching in the sense that when you can have peers help hold you accountable, it's powerful. Yeah. So I, I would agree 100 percent like get into any kind of masterminding possible a group like that where you're holding. Hey, what are you working on? I'm doing this. And then you don't want to be embarrassed to show up to the next meeting. You didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. So I, I wholeheartedly embrace and think that everybody in your network should join that. Yeah, you heard it. All right. Keep going, Dave. Fantastic. So now we got our prime cost target, but here's really important. A lot of people screw this up. They want to use national averages, 34% food costs, 33% labor costs. That's a 70, I'm sorry, 67% prime cost, right? National averages set you up for failure. Hell, that's even more than the national average on prime cost. I want you at 55% or lower. So now think about this. You could be a family dining restaurant with a 30% overall cost of goods sold, booze, Liquor, right, and food, thirty percent, running a twenty-five percent labor cost with taxes, benefits, insurance. That's fifty-five. You could be a burger restaurant, twenty percent cost of goods sold, thirty-five percent labor cost. That's fifty-five. Hell, you could be a steakhouse at a forty percent food cost. Wouldn't recommend it, but you can do it because the ring of the red is so high. It doesn't take two cooks to flip a burger to make double the money. It takes the same fifteen dollar an hour cook. I would argue. You would say, "Oh, I need a twenty dollar guy." I get it. But you understand it takes one cook to flip the steak to make you $40 versus $7 on that burger. So it drives our labor costs down. That's why we pay attention to prime cost. 40% cost gets sold, 15% labor cost. All of a sudden, it's 55 Your budget, your restaurant, based on your location, your price point, your quality product, your style of service, your core values, this is what sets this up. So you might be in Los Angeles or New York City with $15 minimum wage and no tip credit, and you've got to run a lower food cost. You could be in Texas and still have two 13-an-hour servers, and you can run a, a really low labor cost and a much higher food cost. We could still get there. So you've got to do your budget based on you. That's why we can't use a national average. Does it, am I clear on that? Does he have any questions on that, Eric? Uh, I... I'm clear on that. I think that makes perfect sense. I don't have any questions, okay. but uh, if you do have questions, be sure to write them down. We'll get to them in the end. Okay. So now all I'm going to do is we're going to talk about, I want a 12 month short term budget. Don't care when we start. I used to do three and five year budgets when I started and I realized our industry is so volatile. Do I, do we have any example uh, more recently than a volatile industry than COVID? I mean, so search out that next 12 months. I really don't care about three years, four years out and so on. It's not worth the effort. So we're going to go through these four steps in the budgeting process from, and this is where we started. Hey, where do we get our forecasted sales? Where are our costs get sold? Setting our targets, estimates. Well, it's kind of a summary what we did. Well, we could do uh, a way that gathers all of our data. And we sit there and go, we know our previous six to 12 months, as Eric and I talked about, if you don't have six, 12 months, it's your assumptions. Like you're about to open. What do I think I'm going to do in these next months based on my my knowledge of other restaurants in the area and so on? Customer counts, average tickets, sales log, weather, all these things, category sales. Then we plan for the new year from are we going to make a menu change? Are we adding a bar? Are we removing seats? Are we going to do a bunch of events? What is it? Do we have road construction? How many of you ask yourself rhetorical question? had road construction in front of your building and you're like, oh shit, we're getting clobbered. Did you know they planned that shit years in advance? If you would go to the damn city, you could see when they were going to do that and you could have gotten out ahead of it, maybe moved your location, got more into catering, figured something else out, proactively manage your business, but I've got that data. But ultimately we grab all this data 
And we're going back to, I'm going to swag it, scientific wild-ass guess. Like there is no, I don't care if it's tea leaves. I don't care if it's a spreadsheet. Like I use, I've got something called the uh, sales forecast generator where we put in last the, the last month's sales, we, what our forecast is, the next month's date, and boom, it just automatically tells you your average Monday through Sunday. Knows if there's a five Fridays in the month and so on. And then we edit from there. Or you just know that generally in this month we do $7,000. Does not matter. You come up with your best guess on what your sales are. And I'm going to tell you, Eric, I had one time when I was in my old company, I was selling my software. I had this woman get on a sales call with me and she's like, David, I, I don't need any of this stuff. I just need somebody to tell me how to predict my sales on Friday. Because some Fridays it's 14,000 and others Fridays it's seven grand. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Since 9-11, We've not been able to have steady sales in most restaurants. We've got peaks and valleys. We don't know why one week is busier than another or day for that matter. I said, if I could tell you exactly what your sales are on a Friday, I'd be worth millions. I would just go to restaurant row in every city across America and say, I can tell you exactly what your sales are. Would you pay me for it? Shit, yeah, you would. Because you could order perfectly. You could schedule perfectly. You could do everything perfectly because you knew exactly what's coming in the door. I said, nobody can do that right? You've just got to do your best guess. And the truth of the matter is those of you have had at least six months operating, you're getting into a system. You generally know, you know, you're trending up, trending down. You can come up with it. So whether it's a spreadsheet like I use, or it's a system that you have, it's your system, but you must forecast sales. Otherwise we don't know how much product we can buy and we don't know how many people to bring in. Make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Next, got to know fixed or variable expenses. Let's be very clear. A fixed expense could be an SBA loan, $10,000 a month versus uh, maybe you have a variable 8% of sales lease. And so very different, go down. It could be salaried managers versus hourly managers. It could be um, a uh, loan payment versus advertising expense. Get it? So is it a fixed or variable expense? I went through those examples in the beginning. Then we got to gather our prime cost. That's based on use. Total cost of goods sold, including, right? So that is beginning inventory plus purchases minus ending gives us use is the proper way. If not, we're going to use purchases last 12 months into 12 month sales. Then labor cost by percentage or fixed variable. That means we've got to have the right chart of accounts. I'm going to show you that in just one moment. Then determine, remember in the example, create the column, total divided by 12 gives us fixed, total divided by total sales gives us variable, the percentage. What is it? Fixed or variable? Go straight down your your profit and loss statement and figure it out. Ultimately, to do all of this stuff, you got to have the right chart of accounts. And I'm going to tell you, Eric, almost every member I work with starts with a shitty chart of accounts because their accountant, their CPA doesn't know restaurants. They do things properly. They follow GAP, generally accepted accounting principles, but it doesn't help me as an operator. So here's what I want to see. I want to see in my income statement, and I'm going to give you all this, right? Stay to the end. I'm going to give you the spreadsheet. I'm going to show you over quick, and I'm going to give you these chart of accounts. And you do not have to mirror my chart of accounts. There is no wrong chart of accounts. They all pay taxes. But you may want to massage certain sections of your P&L because a lot of us don't want to go, well, I just lost five years of data. It doesn't match up anymore. Just make sure we have the right things in place. For instance, look at income. Food, NA Bev, liquor, bottle beer, draft beer, wine, gaming, merchandise, cover charge, separate. Now you're never going to guess what cost of goods sold looks like. Exactly the same. Food, NA Bev, liquor, bottle beer, draft beer, wine, 
right? All the way down, use divided by sales, by category. So now I can't have food and I can't have beverage. Why? When I go to find I have a problem in my restaurant and my liquor cost looks high, where the hell is the problem? Is it in draft beer? Is it in bottled beer? Is it in liquor? Is it in wine? And by the way, when we do a budget, each one will have a different target cost of goods sold. So we've got to measure them separately. Does that make sense, Eric? Do you have any questions on that? It does. And I there's um, I have a book. It's behind me. I feel like I'm probably going to have to go get it during the next commercial break. Uh, that is QuickBooks for Restaurant Owners. It's uh, And I can't remember the exact title and the, the name of the author, but I want to make sure. I think it's Zach Weiner, uh, but it's spelt like Weiner. I think maybe when you look at it. So anyway, I'll go <laughs> Wiener Weiner. What the hell? Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to get that book and I'll make sure you guys know about it. Cause it kind of takes, uh, it will take you through this process of how to set up your QuickBooks for a restaurant. It's a really, and, there, and there's no wrong chart of accounts. You'll see that my good friends, Jim Lobb and, and Joe Erickson at restaurant they have a different chart of accounts. In fact, the NRA uh, said to them, make our standard chart of accounts. It's a little more detailed than I do. It's not wrong. There is no wrong chart of accounts. If you look at your P&L and you don't know what's in it and you say, oh, I don't know what's in that. I got to call my accountant. Then you've got a shitty system. (laughs) You tell your accountant what goes in each bucket. You set up your chart of accounts that you can run your business from it. It's your ultimate measurement of, of your success. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I personally kind of lean in the favor of when you're opening a restaurant, don't open unless you can afford a, a CPA. Like that's one of those, like I kind of think, I mean, if you're like me, I feel like I wouldn't even attempt to do that. Uh, I, would, I would outsource that just to make sure it's done right. Personally. Amen. Yeah. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. So now wages, look at this. Here's a full service restaurant. Look at all the positions from food runner, host, and so on. And the difference is, let's say you are quick service, you're just breaking it up to different. We're going to have drivers and we're going to have, you know, lobby people. Doesn't matter. Your chart of accounts matches your business. Again, I'm giving this to you. So now we go one step further. I want you to notice something that I do differently. QuickBooks is alphabetical, but it's alphanumeric. If you put a chart of account numbers in front of them, you can put them in any order that you want the expenses to show. So now you'll notice I did food costs poor cost. So cost of goods sold gives you your gross profit. Then I brought all labor up into one section to have operating profit, not searching through P&L to go, where's busters? Oh, that's B. Dishwashers, that's D. Oh, cooks, that's C. Oh, servers, that's S. And then having to add it all up, I went all in one section. So the next thing is in my operating expenses, look what I do. Occupancy cost, my third biggest expense in the restaurant utilities, fourth biggest expense, and so on. So now we put the expenses in the order of importance to me. I now can look at my P&L and not search back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, add numbers together. Does that make sense? This is critical to you making the P&L a tool that's useful. Powerful. So now, next we go general to admin, travel legal. I'm not going to read each one of these things. Again, I'm going to provide it to you. You'll have this to look at. And then we get to the end here. We start going down direct operating expenses. Now notice direct operating expenses. What's awesome. There's my truck, my uniforms, laundry, linen, smallwares, glassware, paper, restaurant supplies, cleaning supplies, right? It's all in one spot. I'm not searching through. I can see my key numbers and direct operating and how my managers are managing my business in one spot. Marketing, 
comps, whole bit. Then we come all the way to the bottom. And now I've got shit that I don't care about when it comes to P&L. This is for paying taxes. Depreciation, amortization, interest expense are not expenses. They're to reduce your earnings or, or increase your earnings in order to pay more taxes. That's what those are for. And by the way, profits don't pay your bills. Cash does. So when I do a budget, I don't even put these in. The interest expense line becomes the loan payment. I don't want just if I've got a $10,000 loan payment that $8,000 was principal, $2,000 was interest, and I'm going to show a $2,000 expense. I want ten dollars in there. So it's a quasi-cash accrual accounting system when I do a budget. I want to know my cash flow. So now, once we have this, if you change your chart of accounts, I want to prepare you. You've got to change a bunch of other stuff. Odds are you got to make sure your sales now match. Many of you have been operating off of net sales. It's wrong. You need to now go to gross sales. You're going to notice that your discount categories have to match. Instead of being up in the sales section, it's an expense. You're going to notice that you've got to may have to change your departments and positions in your POS system. You're going to need to look at your, your GLs and make sure everything balances, that you've got everything you need, that every system matches from POS system to accounting to, P, uh, to, to any other reporting because one thing that I find in our industry is we go, oh, well, in this, this system, that number is this plus that. And then in this system, it's that one minus this one. And when you have to do all that, you don't trust your numbers. You stop looking. It's got to be the same damn category, same damn number in each system that you trust your numbers. That's critical. So then we get to this point where we create a template. Now, I'm going to do this rather quickly. We're, we're approaching our hour. I've got, uh, Eric, I'm going to do this quickly. I need probably about five, 10 minutes on this. Yes. And then I, you know, open it up for, for question and answer. That worked for you? Perfect. And keep in mind, if you guys are listening to this episode and you're like, what is he talking about? Like, where are these things he's referencing? We have a video component to this podcast as well. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. And also, if you're in Restaurant Stoppable Network, we have all the audio all the video in one spot uh for each post we create each work so why wouldn't they be in the network you know i have, i'm trying to ask myself that question sometimes uh, we we have a good number we have up to over 150 people in the network right now so they're Fantastic. showing up they're coming man well uh, you know if you got you've put together a place where people can get together hold each other accountable learn from industry experts Right. Have more information at their fingertip to become better operators and leaders in their business. If you're listening to us, why the hell wouldn't you be in the network? I, I just don't understand. Uh, well, so anyway, I do a pretty good job uh, during the closing thoughts, pushing people there. So <laughs> no way you do a pretty good job at that. Well, I, I like to think I do a good job. I think that I think they're getting the message. <laughs> All right. So now this is really tiny. This is web browser based. This is a Google sheet. So all I did was hit control plus symbol. Now the numbers should be large enough for everybody to see. I'm just going to show you uh, in general what we've got. Remember these sales in row six? Those were the last 12 month sales. And I'll just scroll over to the side. I will show you very quickly that there's this setup section where we put in the months we're, we're looking at, our chart of accounts, all the way over to our operating expenses and down. This 100% customizes itself to your chart of accounts. You don't have to follow mine, yours. I've got this update changes button here. This is a Google sheet. It is not software, but you're going to see that I've programmed it to operate like software to make it your restaurant. You don't have to conform to me. You're going to make this conform to you. So now it has value. 
So now we've got our sales. We talked about getting that last 12 months. What are our sales mix? Food sales are 85.26% of sales. You've got that POS system, DSR tracker, your, your POS, um, sorry, your QuickBooks. You've got that data. Now notice in when my spreadsheets, anything that is white, you type in the data. So it's in the percentage column. That means it's a percentage. And that if I click on over here, there is a cell. If it's gray, it has um, a formula in it. I'm not going to go into it. I'm going to give you a video that teaches you the spreadsheet inside and out from all the controls, the, the clicks, the, the menu bar that's custom and all these things. So I'm going to go quickly. I just want to show you the basics. Then we come down, we've got our cost of goods sold. Well, here's our cost of goods sold percentage. And we've got 28% all the way across for food costs. Now I'm going to point something out. If I look at my sales, Eric, what's my largest category in sales? What do I do most of my sales in this example? Food. Food. So guess where, if you were going to make a major change to your restaurant, your cost of goods sold, would you take the time to fix merchandise that's 0.11% of sales? Like, oh my God, we have a 200% cost of goods sold. We're giving the shit away for free. What am I going to do? Or where would you spend your efforts to make a major change to your business? I'd definitely put it into probably the top two, food and alcohol. Or right. Beverage. Exactly. So depending on your business, if you're a bar owner and liquor is 50% of your sales, guess where you're starting, right? If 5% of your sales is food, it's just this, this extra, there's some pizza and there's some nachos and whatever. It's this add on little thing. Well, that's not where your problem, where you spend your time and effort. So understand when we start to look at our numbers, it tells you where to be now come down. We've got all our costs get sold. We know our total cost get sold is 28.06% variable expense. Overall, then we've got owner salary. You're going to notice here, I've got something. The owner salary is not a part of prime cost. In setup, when I go back here, you'll notice I've got these little check boxes that add them into the prime cost calculation or not. So you're an owner, you're, you're part of labor, but you're not a part of prime cost, making sure our managers have the right number to manage to. We've got our fixed salaries and our variable expenses. Our cooks are 12.88% of sales versus our servers, four points. And I look at this, where's the first place I would start to say, I need to make a change in labor, Eric. The first place, uh, servers. Wait, no, no. me, I'm going cooks, cooks. cooks, I'm sorry. I, right. Because servers, it it threw me off a little, you know, I put the, I put the box on there. I set you up for failure. I apologize. (laughs) Please accept my apology. No, that, that makes sense. 12 point, Right. Because if we look at 12.8% on $74,000 is $9,500 versus my service are $3,000. Where can I make the biggest impact and where should I be? Then we come down, we've got our, our workers comp fixed. We've got our taxes variable. Then I go down and I've got my operating expenses and it doesn't matter what it is. If it's fixed, it's in the column C, which is the dollar amount. If it's variable, it's in column D notice the white cells. And we build this, this budget, the template with our numbers from the past. Then we send it across, and I'm not going to go through that in great detail. I just want to show you the power of this. If we sit there and say, this restaurant's going to do $1.162 million in a year. If we operate the same way we did the last 12 months, I'm going to make a note of a number down here. This restaurant is going to make $28,236, two 2.43%. Now, Eric, do you want to work your ass off for $28,000 if you're a restaurant owner? 
Um, I don't. No. I was going to say, is that profit? No. And probably not. That's just overall. Um, that's the budget. Right. So now what I want to come in here and say is, where do I make a change? Well, uh, in here, I can put in comments. So notice in food costs, I'm going to first month, I'm going to right click, go down to comments. I got to scroll back up since I have it here. We're going to implement key item tracker, waste tracker, and restaurant checkbook guardian. Well, we're not going to hold them accountable to that yet. We're going to train them. Then I'd put in a comment. I'm going to hold them accountable the next month and so on and so forth. I just want to show you since it's Google Sheet, by the way, it's free, right? You just need a Gmail account and it's in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere. That's why I'm in Google. And so before you say, is this in Excel? No, it's not in Excel. Okay. Now I'm going to come in here and I know that I'm going to be able to lower my food costs two to three points. I'm going to make a big, fat, hairy number right at a zero. So I'm going to say I'm going to lower my food costs 2.75%, which means I'm going to run a 26% food cost. So I hold them accountable in month two. Now watch this. Copy forward row. Give it a second to run. And all of a sudden, notice the rest of the year is 26% going forward. Now, because that is such a large, large portion, 85% of our sales, we're going to have a huge impact. But let's say before I show you that, we say in month one, we're going to start, we're going to go get a recipe costing software. We're going to put our recipe cards together. It's going to take us two months to get that done. In month three, we're going to do an analysis, menu profitability monitor. Month four, we're putting a brand new menu on the table and we're shooting for a 24% food cost because that's what we need to do in order to combat the increased wages. So we're going to come in here and I'm going to go input, I'm sorry, copy forward row. Now you're going to see in one moment, just takes a minute, it's all the way across. Now, what did I do? We made a change in food costs. That's all we did. You want to know why you want to create this plan. Now, I'm created my plan for success. What I'm going to do, what systems I'm going to put in place, train, hold people accountable to. We just went from $28,000 profitability to $69,000 profitability from 2.4% to 6%. I'm still not happy. My prime cost, by the way, is still running 65% in this example for the year. Not good. There's 10 points on the table. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have to go for the 10 points right now. You may say, David, I'm going to choose to do this slower, and I'm okay with that because you choose what to do with your money versus being lucky or not. You created your plan based on your core values, which you wanted to do. Now, I'm going to come down here. We would look at our cost of goods sold, and you know, we look at our target to say, am I good with this? Oh, I've got a problem with my liquor, and I think that should be an 18% cost of goods sold. I'm implement controls. Bottle beer looks good. Draft beer looks good. Wine looks good. Merchandise, fine. So I'm going to take this, this uh, poor cost and I'm going to send this across. Now I may put in controls, key item trackers, train pouring, train my bartenders, put uh, systems in place like key item trackers to prevent theft and so on and so forth. Like you've got to say what systems I going to put in place and how quickly. Now we come down to labor. I'm going to tell you that typically if you are a, a restaurant I'm typically looking for a 10 to 12% labor cost in my back of house total. That's cooks, prep cooks, dishwashers. Now, if you're $15 minimum wage, now we've got really $18. We may creep up into that 13%, 14%, but know that every percent that that goes up, we've got to attack costs to get sold, bring it down so that we can still make the money we deserve. That's why prime cost is so important. But if I come in here and we do an analysis, we're, we're just going to, 
trim things. I'm going to go, Hey, I'm just going to cut 0.88%. What does that mean? $9,500 goes down to 8,900 in a month. That seems reasonable, but then we might implement the restaurant uh, payroll guardian where we put our managers on a budget because we have a budget. Maybe we implement the restaurant labor efficiency finder and find dollars per labor hour work and look at our efficiencies. And we make a determination that we're going to get our cooks down to 8%. We're going to get our dishwashers down to 2%. And, and that's what we're going with, by the way. That's why menus are so critical to this battle. Not only do I bring down my food costs, but I start to look at how labor intensive my prep is, how many extra products I'm buying, the number of items I have on my menu. I trim it down to make it easier to operate, to do with less cooks. This is important today when we have a labor shortage. Your menu is critical to your success, which means I need recipe costing cards. We'll talk about that. But so when I look at here, I made the changes on these two items. I highlight them both. Copy forward, row, let it go across. Now, all we did was change our kitchen. Primarily kitchen, food, and labor. Now, watch what this does. We haven't gone line by line by line to see if we are, we're going reduce, to reduce any other expenses. Just those changes alone took us from a $28,000 profit margin to $142,000, from a 2.43% profit margin to a 12.25%. And oh, by the way, that is not including the owner's salary of 5%. I want you to do a 15 to 20% profit margin. This is reasonable and in your grasp. By creating your plan for success, deciding what systems you're going to put in place, how you're going to train people, when you're going to hold them accountable, you create your plan and understand why you're doing the work. Because right there, Eric, that tells me, damn, I want to do this. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ask me if I'm willing to do the work for $142,000. Are, are you willing to do the work yeah, for $142,000? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, maybe. Again. Oh, by the way, somebody may be listening to go, oh, that's bullshit. What if I'm half right, Eric? Cry me a freaking river. $70,000 isn't horrible, you know? Um, So one other thing I just want to add on to this, like as far as like mindset and just the power of open book management in the, this is the game of business right here. When you, when you get to this level of granular data and you you bring your people in, it becomes a game. And when you have numbers to this degree, like, like everything literally just becomes about the the game, the numbers. And, and this is your scoreboard. This is how you keep track of the score. And it, it, and this little stuff, having this information can totally change the culture of your business and can, can make this into a fun game. And I think it's important to keep that in the back of your mind that you can gamify the game, like a business, like you can literally have fun with it. What are your thoughts when I say that? How do you expect your management team to hit numbers if they don't know the numbers? Mm -hmm. How do you expect your management team to hit the, hit the numbers? If you don't teach them what the job is, how to do it, how well it should be done more importantly by when, how can you expect your managers to want to do all this work if their job is just babysitting the idiots when it should be learning to run a business, making it fun, developing them as people, as operators versus babysitters. And whether it's gamification or just giving the education and treating them like they are a part of the team, Mm -hmm. you have the ability to change your reality. Don't hold it all close to the vest. You got to share. Now they don't need to know you're driving a Maserati out of the business, but they need to know cost of goods sold. They need to know labor costs. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think now is a great time to take uh, our second break to thank our sponsors and we'll be back for Q and a, unless I'm cutting you short. 
No, I've, I've got, I'm just going to show one last thing on here uh, and a slide. It'll take me I got probably three minutes and then we are open to question and answer. All right. Let me show you this one last piece, that which we measure improves. So again, I'm not showing you the controls right now. There's a video that's going to show you how we reveal your actuals. You're going to put in your actual sales and see measure that which we measure improves, whether your sales were higher or lower. Your food cost percentage doesn't drive off of forecasted. Your budget, it now drives off of actual and changes. So you see what your variance is. And we go down the line and we can see where we hit or missed on every item. And here's the deal. We come all the way to the bottom and we were supposed to make, in this case, we were going to lose $3,000, $2,600, but we made $247. Like, why? What did we do well? What if we were supposed to make $14,000 who made seven? Now, because it's month one, I can change my targets over the next 11 months and decide what systems I'm going to put in place, what we've got to retrain, hold people accountable to, and change my reality. Instead of, oh, shit, I lost seven grand, I'm going to make that $7,000 back up with small little changes going through the rest of the year without going against core values or changing my business. That's important. So last but not least, we're going to come back into the slide here. Again, I'm going to give you this understand that once you create the plan, now the systems part comes in. Now I need the restaurant checkbook guardian, give up ordering without giving up checkbook. I need the key item tracker to prevent theft. I need the waste tracker to stop dumbass mistakes the day I see them to change. I need to know what my actual food cost is. So I need inventories in order to take steps to lower my food cost. I need to calculate my ideal food cost, which means I need recipe costs and cards and point of sale mix. I need the restaurant payroll guardian, which means I need a budget. Because you'll see that we have a different labor cost target by day. Didn't have time to go through that today. But bottom line is, I now have targets and systems to give up scheduling without giving up my checkbook again. Here's how many hours you have by position to schedule next week. And labor efficiencies, finding out what your dollars per labor hour worked is. That we can truly say, we're not efficient. We can make change. And by putting that all together, man, that's how we make change in the business. Awesome stuff. Uh, I think now we can take our break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to answer some questions. And also, David will let us know how we can get access to the stuff that he keeps on telling us he's going to give us. We'll find out soon how to get it. Okay, we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more, all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using, like Toast, to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven 
S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work, let's be honest. Not to mention, it's time-consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing, and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. We're back and we have our first question. First hand up. Akash, go for it. Introduce yourself and ask your question. Uh, hi, my name is Akash, and I am a recent graduate uh, from Dubai. So my question is, so if I'm going to start a pop-up, uh, which is going to stand in a high-traffic location for six months, would any of these numbers change? Or what are certain things that I need to keep a close eye on? So it's no different. Whether it's a pop-up, it's a food truck, or it's a, a brick-and-mortar restaurant that's going to be permanent, it's the same exact process. You're just working off a six-month window. What are your six-month sales predicting going to be? What is your sales mix you're going to pre- – you know, are you going to be 90% food and the rest NA Bev because we don't have a liquor license? Or are we going to have booze? What is our target based on your – what do I need to create a menu – I'm going to create a menu that hits this food cost target, this bottle beer target, and so on. I'm going to make sure that my labor, this is what I think I do, and you can build your your ideal schedule for minimum staffing, whether I do $1 in sales or up to $10,000, I need this many hours, period. After that, I become more efficient. You make assumptions. Then you go down line by line by line, and maybe as a pop-up, you're a percentage of sales. So it's a variable lease versus a fixed payment. And you just have to make those assumptions, build that month, send it across and make the edits to a point. Even Akasha, you could sit there and say, I know that six months in, I'm going to owe my landlord a bonus $10,000. Well, put it in as an expense in that six month, just put in that I'm going to buy a new uh, bank of fryers in month three. 
put the expense as a fixed cost in that month three and a note that you're going to buy these bank of fryers because now you've created the revenue to do the next thing that you want to add to your menu. So it's really just about making those assumptions. Then when you start measuring, you go, oh, my assumptions suck. Change the next four months, five months. And that's all. You just got to realize it's a living, breathing document. It's not set in stone and we ignore it. Every month we go, we measure, we change, measure, we change. And here's one thing I'll tell you, Akash, and everybody listening. You're never going to hit your budget. It will always be different because this is your best guess. And then shit happens. Reality works. And then you change your plan. That's the power of a budget. That help? Great question. Thank you, Akash. And uh, the next hand up is Wes. Wes, go ahead and introduce yourself and ask your question. Hey there. So uh, my name is Wes. I'm uh, working on opening a board game cafe. Cool. Uh, so we've got a kind of unique position because uh, we kind of lean pretty heavily into some non uh, restaurant PLs with retail and other things so from a chart of accounts perspective, and then also a PL perspective, how do you recommend breaking out the retail and organizing that? So we've got, we've got one of two ways to look at it. The way that I would probably do it is just add those specific positions and sales categories. So cost of goods sold for rental. I'm assuming they can have memberships and rent time they can buy. And then, so maybe that's rental or, 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 whatever your terminology is. The other would be actually buying the games. Well, that's cost goods sold. Well, I'm going to have purchases that are the the merchandise, same thing in the restaurant for t-shirts and so on. Or the next option is, is to go into something called class accounting. I want you to imagine your profit and loss statement is three columns. There's your total profit and loss, your company. Here's all sales, total, by category, so on and so forth. But then you, it's like expanding a spreadsheet into two additional columns. There's restaurant and retail. And they have their own sales in their own categories. They have their own expenses. So, for instance, let's say the retail side of the business is 75% of your sales. Well, I'm going to allocate 75% of rent. 75% of power, 75% of these certain expenses, and 25 to the other, so I can measure each revenue center how they stand on their own. But odds are, with what you're talking about, it's just adapting your chart of accounts to sales categories, cost of goods sold categories, and labor to match. So when you look at your P&L, you go, yep, I know exactly what's in that number. Does that make sense, Wes? Yeah, it does. I particularly like the the talk about allocations of expenses. That's something that uh, I've I've gone through and talked about allocations, but I haven't uh, haven't really fully put that together. When you talk to your accountant, it's called class accounting. So they have to set it up that way. And so as they put the journal entries in, you can run a P&L that is your company, that is truly your profit and loss, but then you can expand and look at each revenue center on their own. And that can give you a lot of power. We do that a lot with people who do a lot of catering. Do you have a follow-up question, Wes? I see your hand still up. I do. Well, a different question. Sure. You can jump around it. if you want. Go for it. Um, you, you touch projections a little bit. Uh, so again, we're not open yet. So PNLs and other things we're doing pro formas, uh, sort of best practice for putting, uh, those pro forma estimates together. Where do you so, get your numbers? So there's a couple ways. One is the swag, go out there and just make a really good freaking guess. You could gather if there was, let's say a chain 
a, 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 a national retailer that does similar to what you're doing. If they're publicly traded, go find their freaking numbers and make some assumptions. Uh, or there's the, the, the headcount method where you literally go, how many seats do I have? And we're going we're gonna to say lunch on Monday. How many seats do I have? How many do I think I'm going to seat? Like, you're not going to sit 100% of your seats. We got the, the two people that go, can we sit here to a four top? And you're like, son of a bitch. Absolutely. Oh, damn, I've, got, I've lost revenue. Like, we don't have 100%. So maybe we come up with it. We're going to have 67% of our seats. Then we, that are going to have a butt in it. Then how many turns are you going to have in the restaurant? Am I going to have one turn? Am I going for two turns? Am I going four turns? Well, how many turns? With you, you're going to have a lot of parking. So we're going to have lower turns. And so all of a sudden, you make the assumption that this lunch hour will have one turn. Well, if all of a sudden I go, I start with 100 seats and there's 67%, I've got 67 seats are going to be filled. My average ticket per person is $10. It's $670 in revenue. You can literally build each shift based on your assumptions and then swag it from there. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Akash, I see your hand back up, but I want to make sure uh, Martha had a question during the recording specific to whether th- what you were talking about was annually or monthly. I know it's a, it's kind of a, I don't, <laughs> I don't know ex- ex- exactly what you were referencing, Martha. I don't know if you want to throw your mic on real quick and, and verify whether you're all set or not. One is I'm going to try and do my best to interpret the question. Number one, you can decide whether you're on calendar or 13 period accounting. So, There's no wrong answer. Just know that when we start doing things, we have to accrue expenses versus sales. uh, And that's really the difference. Most people, I'm going to tell you, do a calendar accounting. A lot of people tell you they love 13 period because it's 13 four week cycles, inventories every Sunday and so on. It creates a whole nother challenge. But if you have a CPA, an accountant, bookkeeper, I don't really care. Whatever you want. From there, we are literally measuring on a monthly basis. Now, I will tell you, that a good friend of mine, Ann Gannon of Largo Group, who's a restaurant accounting firm, a good friend, when the pandemic hit, we adapted my Budget Builder MVP, added a section down below to create a 12-week or 13-week cash flow management. And so really, what are we trying to measure? We're trying to measure our profitability and our success. I'm probably looking at a monthly basis. If I'm looking for cash flow, it takes a lot more work. It's a whole different lesson and it's much harder to do. But we start to look at 12 week cash flow, how the money comes in and goes out. We can learn where we move, move an expense to another week in order to have the money to pay it. It can be empowering. So that's my best guess on what that question was. Yeah, I think you probably hit it. Um, Akash, he has another follow up question. Go for it, Akash. Please. Um, so my question is, I mean, I think it's fairly simple. So say, um, sorry, so say for as part of your marketing, you want to give away uh, free food. So where would you also add that onto your cost of goods or would you just keep a separate marketing budget? No, that is going to be, if you notice in the chart of accounts, I put that in marketing under comps and you can have multiple comps. You can have employee comps and you can have customer comps and whatever. Again, your chart of accounts, the way you want to measure I usually put it in marketing and I want a total. I want you to look at a couple numbers. Running a restaurant on day to day, two to 4% comps. That's employee meals. That's taking care of a guest that had a bad experience, taking care of a guest that we love and we want them to come back. That includes manager meals. That includes maybe a little bit of couponing. 
two to 4%. That means for every dollar comes in, you're giving four pennies back. You don't want them. It's real money, but you're giving it up. It's marketing. Then I want you to have a marketing expense of a total of two to 4%. So you might say, I'm going to do nothing but discounting is my only marketing I'm going to do. You could take your comps up to six, 8% and be fine. Does that make sense? But it's not cost of goods sold. Gross sales before discounts. Use yeah. the product left the shelves. Use divided by sales. That's why prime cost is so important that we know we go off of gross sales, not net sales. Does that ring a bell for you, Akash? Yep. Excellent. Good question. Hands are going up like wildfire right now. Benjamin, go for it, man. Introduce yourself and ask your question. <laughs> I uh, jumped in a little late, so you know I know this is more on the budgeting side, but in today's world with higher labor costs going on and other factors coming in for a full-service restaurant, let's imagine it's a taco, outdoor-focused, patio-type restaurant. Okay. Um, where do you kind of – could you give us a little idea of what would be a goal breakdown of you know, what, is, what are you shooting for when you're building your performer of the percentages for your food, labor, overhead, and bottom-line profit? What are, you, what are you trying to go for? What do you think you should try to set that up to be? That's not an easy question. No. Like in the sense that, so again, you, you've come in late. So I talked about prime cost, total cost of goods sold plus total labor cost. I could run a higher food cost, lower labor cost, or because I'm in a $15 an hour state with no tip credit and I've got a higher labor cost, I've got to drive it down. So I'll give you some examples. The pandemic was a major thing. I have several members that to have them help survive the pandemic with rising labor, sales disappearing, high food costs, I had to take them from a 38% food cost to 24. Because we did the budget, that's what we determined we had to hit because our labor cost was up. So a part of this is I can give you some general generalities. Food costs, depending on your menu, you could run a 18% ideal food cost. And if we're a rock star, we're going to run two points above, giving us 20. A typical restaurant runs seven to nine points above ideal because they've got waste, theft, spoilage. Like a lot of times we want to beat the shit out of our Cisco and US food rep and whoever, Benny Keith, but it ain't them. It's you. It's what we're doing in our restaurant. So by putting the controls I talked about in this, in this presentation, we can start to take control and bring that, that down. Porsche controls, time temp checklists, all these things. So if I were to say tacos, and I'm going to have rice, beans, a tortilla, smaller uh, protein um, weights, if you will, inside of them. I might be shooting for a 20, sub 20 ideal cost, which gives me a 20 to 24% food cost. That means I could run higher labor cost. However, where's my booze? Do I sell a lot of beer? Do I sell a lot? Does the mix change my overall cost of goods sold and bring it up from 24 to 26 or does it drive it down to 21? And now I've got more room. Then we look at our labor. Generally speaking, generally speaking, I want, if I'm a full service restaurant, I'm looking for 10 to 12% back of house labor total, three and a half, four 4% front of house labor um, for servers. Bussers might be 1%. Hosts might be uh, 1% or less. Uh, bartenders, less than 2%. But if I'm more a bar, well, I might have a labor cost behind the bar of more 4%. And I've got cocktail servers, a lot less of them, and that may go down to 2%. So it's not something I can give you a generality. That's why we've got to do your budget. 
That's why based on your, your location, your style of service, your product quality, what your price point is and your core values, we start to set those up. And now you can start to say, well, look at this. My prime cost is still too high. Where do I have to give? I'm going to do it in food. I think I can do this. Oh, shit. I can't touch food anymore. I'm not willing to charge more than I'm charging now. I'm not willing to change my menu. I'm going to micro tweezer the son of a bitch. Every one of these freaking tacos has micro greens that have been micro tweezered on there. And I'm chef driven and I'm going to do this. Well, then I'm out of higher labor, but where can I make those changes? So it's a long answer to not answer your question. Does that make sense? Like you sure, have literally so many this process. Say it again. No, there's, there's so many factors involved that it's hard, hard to, it's just, you know, I'm going to teach you a down and dirty trick. I want you to start thinking about something called dollars per labor hour worked. So in middle school, uh, I hated math. Now I'm a math guy. I'm a systems guy. Holy shit. Has, I'm telling you, I hated math. Reason why I hated math is there was a, a mathematical problem that was introduced in middle school that threw me a curve. Do you know what that is? Think back all the way back to middle school. What was that math equate, that problem that was, that was given to us that threw all, a lot of us off? Do you remember? You ready? Single problem. Hmm. Word problem. A train leaves Chicago at 3 o'clock, traveling at 70 miles an hour. Train leaves Philadelphia at 8 o'clock, traveling at 30 miles an hour. Where do they meet? My answer was, I don't give a shit. Right? I'm like, what do, you, what do you mean? But the truth matters. It's a simple arithmetic. If you understood the word problem, you could plug this number in and it fits. Running a restaurant is the biggest freaking word problem in the world. Cisco drops off $3,000 in product. John put it in there. Jose started doing prep. 35 customers ordered this, this, this. At the end of the shift, you have X. It's the same equations, use divided by sales. It's weighted average. It's the same damn equations over and over again. But if we understand where they come from, we can make the change. So this budget is one of those things. So now we start to look at dollars per labor work, the efficiencies. One of the other word problems was XYZ company makes widgets. I don't know if you remember that one. I was like, what the shit is a widget? Like, what is that? As an adult, as a restaurant owner, a widget is a dollar. How many dollars do they make every hour worked? So you can start to look at things. So for instance, let's say if we're using a POS system, I know uh, that, that Eric, you talk a lot about toast. One of the best POS systems out there. Uh, A lot of data. Say it again. They're going public on the stock market today. Uh, Dude, they're blowing up. Right. So bottom line is, doesn't matter if it's Toast, Revel, Heartland, you know, they all spot on. They all do the same stuff, right? It's service and whatever. But without going down that rabbit hole, Toast has a 15 minute by 15 minute dollars per hour work, meaning how much, what sales came in every 15 minutes. Now I tell you, let's look at it an hour and say, I know that I had between, let's just do a whole day. The whole day I had uh, five cooks work a total of, 26 hours. However, that came, when they came in, when they left, 26 hours. And I did $2,600 in sales. Well, 26 divided in $2,600 says we're going to do $100 per labor hour work. Now, I've got a whole way to get to that number where you should be, but I want you to think about this. It'd be reasonable to think that an average restaurant is going to do $15 to $20 food only today in sales. So let's call it 20 to make my math easy. 
That means that if we're running at $100 per man hour, labor hour work, that means each cook is producing $20 into 100, five entrees an hour. Holy shit, does that, all of a sudden you can have this discussion with your chef or kitchen manager go, what do you mean you can't cut labor? Oh, we're a scratch kitchen. Holy shit, nobody else makes things from scratch. Well, all of a sudden you go, dude, you're making five entrees an hour. Does that sound busy? Yes, you may have that crush period. We do 25 entrees an hour, but it means we're bringing everybody in, kumbaya, kumbaya, setting up the restaurant. Then we work really hard. Kumbaya, we all go and smoke breaks, close, leave together. Heck, we drink shift beers and upside down pickle buckets and be in the kitchen on the clock. And all of a sudden you watch your labor doll go click, 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 click away. And so by looking at something like dollars per labor hour work, you can start to hone in on where should you be because damn it, that's not efficient. Does that make sense? Yep. That's probably the the key factor for you to figure out where you should be. And then you may determine I got to have a more prep simplified menu because these 800 sauces, components to dishes, all these things I make for one dish, one, 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 are crippling me in the back of house. And that's why my labor so high. Make sense? Does. Thank you. So you're welcome. My pleasure. David, I know we, we blocked you for an hour and a half. Do you have time for one or two more questions? I do. I do have a hard stop 30 minutes from now. So if you've got a little bit more time, I'm happy to answer. All right. So I did want to get Martha's question in. She had a question. Um, I don't know if you're uh, able to ask her question now, Martha. If you are, feel free to chime in. I'm scrolling back into the chat. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, go for it. Ask your question. Oh, um, so my, I have a few friends who own restaurants. My husband and I are hopefully soon opening up our barbecue restaurant within the next two months or so. Um, and these two different groups of friends, they own different types of restaurants. One owns like a pizza place, like a artisan pizza place. And the other one owns more of like an upscale Italian restaurant. And they both said that they draw really small salaries. Um, they're both husband and wife teams, like myself and my husband. It, it doesn't make sense to me how they can afford to pay all their bills when they're drawing such small salaries and what the benefit of that is. They, they made it sound as if it was a benefit. Like, do they pay their house mortgage with their... Even if they do, yeah, let me ask like you a question. How? I don't get it. Number one, that should raise a red flag like it does for you. Why the hell do you want to go in the restaurant business and work your ass off for nothing? Which is very typical in our business. We think that we've, we've got to do everything ourselves. Let, let me set you up for something that's going to happen to you in two months. And everybody on this call right now can attest to this. There is a fallacy in our industry. I grew up working for my mother and my stepfather. And I learned that you worked your ass off. You're, you valued yourself by the number of hours you put in and how hard you worked. Can you all, uh, can you all put that in the back of your brain? It's freaking wrong. Our job as restaurant owners are to work on budgets, market, lead the team, develop your managers, hold them accountable. You are the leader your restaurant needs. We need to put these systems in place and run it like a business versus you're doing everything themselves. Most restaurant owners who operate on low salaries are prisoners for the business and they think they're the only ones that can do everything. If you are the only one to do things in your business, if you are God's gift if, to, to your restaurant, if you are the superhero of your restaurant, you will never enjoy this business. You will always feel like people are idiots and you will always be a prisoner to it. So you're in the right thought process. Now, and I would also tell you, if they're pizza, 
Artisan Pizza, and they're an Italian restaurant, they should have an opportunity to make more money than anybody. You're about to go into barbecue where weighing out your proteins. I would literally take brisket. We are doing that. <laughs> yeah, put it in a paper boat and make sure it's the six ounces and, and throw away the we paper We are doing boat. exactly that. Because, because why? It, right? Proteins are so much more expensive, but you too can still make more money. Understand you may have a higher cost of goods sold, but have more cash contribution because you're going to charge more for it, lowering your labor costs, becoming more efficient. That's that yep. prime cost lesson. So, yeah. And ask them, do they have a budget? The answer is going to be no. Do they have managers? Answer is going to be if they have any, they're just the key turners that they do everything themselves. Does that make sense? Okay. No, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, I think in the beginning, we're going to have to start training people to, so that, you know, we can step away. Um, but I think in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of training and stuff like that. But your, your first year, you're going to live in the business. Mm-hmm. But if by, no, yeah. <laughs> by, by month 13, you aren't to two days off a week, if you don't have managers in place, then we've got well, a we're problem. We're planning on taking changed. two days off from the start. Okay, good. Then we need managers. Yeah. And systems in place and training no, and supervision. No, two days closed. Okay. <laughs> then that'll give you two days off then, won't it? I want to <laughs> make sure we get around to Wes and Bob before we, we call right. it. Thank you for your question, Martha. And uh, Bob, since you haven't had the mic yet, I'm going to go to you first. Go ahead and ask your question. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, sir. Okay, great. First of all, me and David look back on our lives. Uh, you know, we've been in the industry a long time and uh, – the, the, the centric part of watching your prime cost is very, very important. Uh, weighing out all your recipe masters to, to the gram is like crucial uh, in order to get you theoreticals. Uh, if you don't have a, what I call a shrinkage report, mm-hmm. then you should build one. Um, I don't know if David's application does that. Uh, it's, it's I, I don't. I don't. I don't have software anymore. That's my old company. So oh, I would. I could recommend yeah, multiple yeah, guys, software packages. You guys split up, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 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 point that I'm making is that there are KPIs that you can gauge for yourself to really, really watch the nickels and dimes and and see where your shrinkage is occurring. Is it overbuying? Is it you know? Is it uh, one of the things that our firm? Uh, introduced a long, long time ago, like 15 years ago, is being able to tap what the actual market price is on the commodities that you buy. Just like you need to know your theoretical cost on your dish, uh, when you buy from U.S. Foods and Cisco and the rest of those guys, uh, you need to know what the market price is for that product because too many accounts that we've touched were paying, you know, seven, eight, nine dollars above market price. Yep. And, you know, I was a distributor for five years in, in Florida, so I kind of know how that works. But uh, they will tell you that, oh, your volume isn't high enough and blah, blah. That's bullshit. <laughs> uh, you you got to know your theoreticals, okay? Uh, you got to know where you should be in order to get to where you can actually attain. My question to David is, uh, and I was quiet for most of this conversation because he's he's – talking about everything that I talk about on a daily basis. Uh, how many operators actually hybrid the entire prime cost budgetary system? When you say hybrid, what do you mean? They only do part of it. Oh, 
shit. I, if I were to tell you eight out of 10 restaurants still don't take inventory. So right. the, the vast majority. So the people that I work are work with are changing from being a fixed mindset to a growth mindset that we're going to learn, we're going to do, and we're going to allow people again, to be promoted to customer. And so becoming the leader, like, here's the deal, the restaurant business and, and, and gathering from your conversation, you and I are systems guys. We could be like uh, two 16 year old girls and just freaking talk systems and numbers all day long. All day. The, the truth is that if somebody asked me why most restaurants fail, it's lack of leadership. And just because you own a restaurant doesn't make you a born leader. It takes leadership to be successful. And this is where the systems make up. If you're a social worker, all you care about is Yelp reviews and the guests and your employees, and you're not paying attention to budgets and targets and having software, know your ideal versus actual product usage and all these things, then you're not making money. You could be a pencil pusher, the numbers person. All I care about is numbers and systems and budgets. I'm impatient. I don't tell people what my, my service levels I want and cleanliness and you know how I want people trained. You may not make money, but when you are, when you use systems to make up for your weakness, like I am a social worker off the charts, I learned, learned behaviors, budgeting, ideal versus actual product usage, like all these things, key item tracker, so on, they're learned skills. They pull me into becoming the leader my restaurant needs. And this is that journey on systems. So to answer your question, the vast majority of restaurants, hybrid, they use a national average and they use Use divided by not use divided by sales, but purchases divided by sales, and they're flying blind. Yeah, that's not food cost, uh, right? I, I'm an accountant for 40 years because I, I can appreciate all this, and I grew up in the industry like you did. Uh, I didn't work for my parents, but I but they put me to work anyway. Yeah. Uh, the 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 killer here is that uh, the pandemic has given us a blank page, and and Eric has you know commented at the beginning of this that. I, I like to tell the world the restaurants run on a 1905 model, which they do. Uh, the, the the big thing is when you approach the exercise of of, and I know plan is a four letter word, but it's 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 kind of mandatory. Uh, and that's that budget. Yeah, it's, it's your plan. I take it to a, I take it to the to the step above that. I think it's the business plan, <laughs> which which generates the budget. And and really ask yourself the big question. And, and you you reiterate it to it all the time. How much do you want to make? How much is your time worth? Right. Yeah. Okay. And we've taken hundreds of clients from 8, 9, 10, 11 to the mid-20s yep. by doing all of these things that you're talking about today. It's possible for sure. Yeah. Thank you very much, Bob. And I, I think we have time for one more question. Sorry to, to cut you short. I just want to make sure we get one more in and I want to respect David's time as well. Uh, Wes, go for it. Get your question in and we'll wrap it up. I got two. So can I make it a two-parter? Or do that you I better hurry. To, well, uh, just do it like a press conference. Out, right? well, my first question is. <laughs> All right. So first question is a little bit of follow-up on Martha. So uh, in the uh, – um, owner salary uh pay pay yourself a salary versus taking it out at the end of the year what percentage of uh profits do you uh generally talk about as far as keeping as retained earnings and not paying out so so let's put it this way i'm going to look at it a different way i want you to make 15 to 20 percent in your business or better so whatever you take as a salary is a part of that profit okay if we're truly working on the business not in it you're an owner Uh, What we're doing is we're guaranteeing that your time is valued 
and you, you value your time and you're going to guarantee you make this much money at the end of the year, you decide you're going to pay taxes on it all, depending on your entity, how much you're going to leave in the business or how much you're going to take. That is a personal decision based on your goals. Now I would tell you, you need to create your one to five year personal and business goals with details, when you're going to start something, when you're going to finish it, and what the exact results you're looking for, because that will factor into your budget. Now, like Bob said, you've got to decide what it is. There's no right or wrong answer. The wrong answer is don't pay yourself every month, hope there's something left over, and take what's left over. That's a bad plan. All right. Uh, second one real quick is uh, we touched on the labor market. Uh, there's a lot of difficulties in that. So there's a lot of different companies and restaurants looking at different compensation plans and how to attract workers. Do you have any uh, recommendations as to what works, what doesn't, what to look so at? So we're, we're going to address that the, the biggest problem challenge I've ever seen in the restaurant business was not COVID. It is the current labor shortage because sales are back. And all of our customers are freaking Karens, not to piss off anybody whose name is actually Karen. Can I, can I point right? out real quick that the labor shortage issue was an issue before COVID? And I think people forgot that how bad it was before COVID. It's still, it's even worse, but sorry, keep going. It's magnified because yeah. with COVID, we let people go and they found nine to five jobs. Yeah, a lot of owners want to go, well, it's a freaking government. It's the 300 or $600 keeping an 18 to 20 year old home and rent abatement. Yeah, there's some of those vast majority of our industry are probably single mothers and they had to be home to, for the kids to go to school. Like it changed us. And so they left the industry and went, Holy shit, there's a real weekend. I can have a nine to five job. I can do all these things. And they don't. And then we had managers who treat them poorly. We had pay rates that were lower than most industries. And all of a sudden people are like, I don't want to come back now with the shortage we're making our problem, our employees problem, working them to death. We have cooks who love overtime. Now it's like every week and they're burnout and tired. We have servers who never saw 40 hours in a week. Now we're seeing 40, 50, 60. They're exhausted. And all of a sudden managers who are taking stations and because we're just trying to stay open, we're burning people out. And so our industry, as Eric said, it's kind of already happened, but it's just magnified now. We're going to about to change. We are going to see higher wages. We are going to see flexibility come back in. We're going to start to see benefits. We're going to start to see managers actually treating people with respect, respecting their time and finding ways to engage them and have them feel like they're a part of the business in a greater sense. We are in a major correction going on. With that said, your question is, how the hell do we do this? Know your market. If your knee-jerk reaction is go from $10 an hour to $18 an hour, well, you may get some people in, but there's only so many and you're never going to be able to take it back. So I need a budget. I need to put in that budget. What if I raise my, my wages? And I've got members we've done this with. You raise the wages. What you do is you sit there, raise the wage, but then you say, what am I going to do on cost of goods sold to bring it down to pay for it? Or how much am I willing to give up on my profitability to, based on my core values, take care of my people and build the business I want? So yes, people are paying more but you got to budget it and make sure it makes sense for your business. And because you're not going backwards, once you make that change, it's there. We're simplifying menus. I had a member who was in a small town who made a huge change up in North Dakota, huge change from August last year. She lost money to this year, making money made a $250,000 swing during the pandemic, but only recently was 
I fought her tooth and nail over and over again in a nice way. You got to change your menu. Small town. They don't even have a traffic light. They do almost $1.5 million in sales. Wanted to be all things to all people. She trimmed 70 items from her menu because all she has is high school kids to run her kitchen, a full service restaurant and bar. And by doing so, was able to bring her labor cost control because they could handle the prep. They could handle the ordering. They could handle the volumes. So do understand that all of this goes back to that budget and understanding that your menu is truly where you're going to attack things, whether it's lowering food costs because we have higher labor costs or just trimming hours by simplifying the business, but never going against your core values. Does that answer your question, Wes? Yeah, it's a great answer. I really appreciate that. I'm glad it's a great answer. It's the only answer I got. <laughs> well, I mean, it's everybody's throwing darts at a wall, but I think that gives a framework to start looking at and some, uh, uh, you know, the truth is we've got to become employers, employers of choice. And you know, you're an employer of choice. When a customer asks an employee, do you like working here? If their mouth goes, Oh, these sons of bitches, hell no, blah, blah, blah. You're not an employer of choice. When they say, do you like working here? Oh my God, they treat me like family. It's awesome. I've got flexibility. Da, da, da. Now you build. And here's the, here's the truth of the matter. If you're not an employer of choice now, it's six months to a year from now is when your change will take place by starting today. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. There is no quick fix. Yeah. David, thank you so much, man. Uh, I think I want to respect your time. I know you have uh, 15 minutes before you ever. We got to tell people how to get the spreadsheet. Yes, we have to have some calls to action. So if first, if if we want these spreadsheets, all the things that you said that we're going to get, where do we go? How do we get those? So now you're going to have to email me at David at davidscottpeters.com and say you are on the Restaurant Unstoppable Budget uh, um, Workshop, okay? And then I will put you in. I just need your name and email address, and I'm going to put you in my member system. We're going to kick out a, a, a welcome email, and you're going to have access to the learning library for that product. You're going to get the Budget Builder MVP spreadsheet, Google spreadsheet with directions how to make it your own, a video on how to use that spreadsheet step-by-step-by-step, and the chart of accounts. So email me at david at davidscottpeters.com. Say you were on the Restaurant Unstoppable Budget Workshop and it is yours, no strings attached. Beautiful. And um, if you guys are listening to this and you want to watch the video, be sure to uh, head over to the two YouTube channel and subscribe while you're there. This is episode 834. Go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 834. I'll have David's email in there if you couldn't remember all that. Uh, and also, if you... Uh, schedule a one-on-one with David. I have a, a unique link that I'll also have in the show notes, restaurantstoppable.com slash 834. If you schedule a one-on-one with David and become a customer of David's, you can save $1,000 if you use that link. And David's going to help me out. He's going to kick me back a commission. You're supporting the show. This is an affiliate link. Thank you in advance. And David knows his stuff. So... I would, we try. I would be sending you in his direction regardless of whether or not there was a commission involved. Uh, but thank you for supporting the show and using those links. Anything we have not said that we need to say now? I just want you to realize that there is no shortcut. You've got to create your plan for success for your business based off your core values. If you are, think you can operate your business based on your gut and your bank account, those days are over. 20 years ago, you might have been able to do it, but today you need a plan for success and you're the only one that can create it. 
beautiful. Again, restaurantunstoppable.com slash 834. You'll find David's email to get those assets. You'll also find a link to schedule your one-on-one with David. If you choose to work with David thereafter, I can save you $1,000 using that link and you're supporting the show. Thank you so much, David. There is no questioning. My man, you are unstoppable. Thank you, my friend. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here by Restaurant Unstoppable. David, Scott, Peters, thank you so much for coming on the show. If you guys want to connect with David to get those free assets that he said he would share with you, all you got to do is email him again, david at David Scott peters.com uh, this is episode 834 head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 834 I'll have David's email over there for you uh, email him with your name and your email and like he said he will send you the budgeting sorry the, the budget building NVP Google spreadsheet with directions on how to make it your own he'll also shoot you a video with the uh you know, instructions on how to use the spreadsheet itself. And then he'll also send you the chart of accounts. And it's also uh, important for me that I let you guys know that uh, I always tell you at the beginning of every episode that you can support this podcast by supporting our sponsor or sorry. Well, yes, supporting our sponsors, but also supporting our affiliates. And David is one of our affiliates and he has a group coaching program, a premium group coaching program that he offers. If you head again to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 834, we'll have a link for you to set up your coaching call with David to see if you're a good fit for that program. And he was going to pay me $2,000 for every person I sent his way as a thank you as to support this mission to inspire, empower, and transform the industry and to you know, support me on the road. It takes a lot of money to travel. And especially if Jared's going to be with me, you know, it's, it's not cheap to do this work to, to, to create this content. So I said, David, how about you, you give me a thousand and you take a thousand off for my listeners to, to make the, the deal extra sweet. So that's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to split my commission with you. Um, I believe in, in doing good. Doing good is good business. And I know I'll get more conversions by doing this. So use our links, set up your, your one-on-one coaching call to see if you're a good fit for his premium coaching and support the podcast and make sure you get all those free assets. It pays to be a listener of restaurant unstoppable podcast. All right, guys, thank you so much for sticking around this long and thank you for supporting this podcast until next time. Peace out.